this morning. This morning, the title of my message is, Till Debt Do Us Part. Till Debt Do Us Part. God gave me a promise yesterday. If you've been around here very long, you know that I, I don't tell you this very often. God gave me a promise yesterday as I was wrestling with this subject because I've, I, everything in this message I've said before. It, it's a new sermon, but, it's, but I've said everything in the message and I, before and I was wrestling with this and wondering, you know, and good God, should I? And the Lord gave me a promise yesterday. And God promised me yesterday that he's going to use the message today to begin the restoration process of somebody's marriage. God promised me that. So let me tell you this morning, if you need restoration in your marriage, if you need help in your marriage today, God has promised that he's going to begin the restoration process in somebody's marriage, beginning with this message today. As I was thinking about that, I thought, what would even be better even than that? would be if there would be some people here today, and most of them will be in the second service. But if there would be some people today that are not married, they're not married, but they would get a hold of the teaching and the preaching that we're going to be sharing today, if they could get a hold of that before they even got married, their marriage would be so much better, they wouldn't have to be talking about restoration a few years from now. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to share the word of the Lord. Father, I just pray today, Father, that your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. Lord, I know I've said all of these things before, but Lord, I know in my heart, I know in my spirit that you want me to share it again today. So somebody needs to hear the word today. Somebody is not listening, and maybe today will be the day they will listen. Let your anointing rest upon the message, the messenger, for the glory of God in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, the number one cause of divorce today is money issues. The fact of the matter is more people get divorced over money issues than they do over moral issues. Now, in most marriage ceremonies, the bride and the groom stand in front and they look at each other and they promise to love, honor, and cherish until death do us part. And yet for far too many couples today, marriage only lasts till debt do us part. Now I understand that debt is not the only cause of divorce, but it is the most common. And debt has, has a negative effect on every single part of our lives. And so that is why I continually preach and teach about it with absolutely no apologies. Now let me, let me tell you this morning that debt, debt will not send you to hell, but I want you to know that it has the capacity to make you feel like you're already there. Now there are two things that I want to talk about today concerning this topic of debt. I want us to talk a little bit this morning about the cause of debt, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the cure. So let's talk about the cause, the cause of debt. And there are many, many causes of, of debt. And I, I certainly don't have the time this morning to, to give an exhaustive list, but I am going to give you four causes of debt. And I'm going to do that by making an acrostic with this word debt. So let's begin this morning. So with the letter D in the word debt, what is the first cause of debt? I'm using the word discontentment. Discontentment. 
You see, it's the devil's job to make us discontent. John chapter 10 and verse 10 says that the devil, his job is to steal, it is to kill, and it is to destroy. And one of the things that Satan tries to steal from us is our contentment. Uh, The devil wants us unhappy. He wants us to be unhappy. He wants us to be discontent. He wants us to feel like that God has somehow failed us by not giving us everything that we want. Now we understand that he started this strategy way back in the Garden of Eden when God first created man. You know how the story goes, God placing man in a luscious garden filled with everything that man could ever need or or ever desire or ever want. God placing only one restriction on man. God saying to Adam, saying to Eve, this garden is yours and all of the fruit and all of it, that all of its bounty is available to you. There's only one tree that I will forbid you to eat from. But Satan tempted man with that very tree. And Satan convinced Adam and Eve that, that what God had provided for them just wasn't quite enough. He convinced them that that, that they wouldn't be really happy, could not be really happy until they ate from the forbidden tree. He convinced them that they could not be content with what they had. And let me ask you this morning, has Satan changed his strategy at all? He hasn't changed his strategy at all. He is still trying to convince us that we cannot be happy with what God has provided. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how big that our house is. It it doesn't matter what label is on our clothes. It doesn't matter where we're eating at. It is constantly about the bigger and the better, the latest and the greatest, the new and the improved. So what is the cause of debt today? One of the causes is discontentment. Never before has man ever, especially in America, never ever before have we ever had more stuff oh, than we have today. And yet most people today in America, they are still on the hunt for more stuff. What's the cause of debt? The letter E in the, in the word debt, I'm using the word envy. Envy is the cause of debt. You see, all that we want is just what we don't have. All that we want is just what somebody else has. I've told you before that I have a brother that's less than a year older than me. You talk about sibling rivalry. It was alive and well in our house. And me and my brother, we nothing could excite us and thrill us more than to have something that the other one didn't have. Man, if we could find a quarter on the pavement and go to the store and buy some candy. Whatever it is, whether it was an ice cream, whether it was some candy, whether it was a new toy, whatever it was, oh, nothing got us cranked up, nothing elated us more than to have something that the other one wouldn't have. And it didn't matter if it was me towards my brother or my brother towards me. If we had something that the other one wouldn't have, we would, man, I mean, we would make good on it, man. We would say to them, look what I've got. 
Look what I, oh, this is good. Oh, this is wonderful. This is great. Would you like to have some? And the other one, their eyes would get about this big and they'd begin to salivate thinking about having some of that. And we would say, would you like some? And the other one would say, yeah. And we would say, can't have any. What did Satan tempt Adam and Eve with? What they didn't have. It wasn't that they didn't have enough. But there was one thing, the only one thing in that entire garden that they could not have. But that was the one thing that they wanted because that's just, it's just inside of us, isn't it? Just the one, what we do not have. I've told you this story before also, but I remember years ago sitting at a, at a minister's meeting and I was looking across the aisle at one of the other pastors and I noticed his tie. And back in those days, man, I was, I, I loved ties and I would, you know, I'm not a shopper, but man, I would shop a long time for a tie because that tie had to be absolutely perfect. And I told people, don't buy me a tie because I ain't wearing it. Not even my wife can pick out a tie for me. I mean, I was, man, I mean, you know, that was it. And I was looking over that, that man, I was looking up that pastor while the preacher was preaching and I was looking at him and I noticed his tie. Wow, man, that is awesome, man. That looks like one of my kind of ties, man. I mean, man, I mean, I could hardly listen to the preacher preach all because I was envious of that man's tie and I was thinking, man, I'd just like to take that tie off of him and take it home with me. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. At the end of the service, that man stepped out of the aisle, walked over to me, and he said, I've been admiring your tie. <laughs> wow, he said, I love your tie. I want you to understand this this morning. What we have is often more valuable than what we don't have. Remember Jacob and Esau, those twins? Remember? Remember the story? Everybody knows the story of Jacob and Esau. Now all Jacob had was a bowl of wolf bread and chili. <laughs> what Esau had was a birthright. What's a birthright? Well, it included receiving a double portion of his father's possessions. If you had the birthright and your daddy died, that meant when everybody got their, their part, but you, by way of the birthright, you got a double portion of daddy's stuff. And whoever had the birthright took the father's place when the father died. The, the man that had the birthright took the father's place as head of the family and CEO of the family wealth. Envy caused Esau to give away far more than what he got. Esau traded an incredible future for momentary satisfaction. And let me tell you, friend, that many are in debt today because of envy. And the cost is far more than just money. They are absolutely mortgaging their future for immediate gratification. 
cost them time away from their families. They take on a second job trying to pay for what envy has cost them. It costs them sleep. Oh, it costs them problems in their relationship because they no longer have time to work on it and on and on and on it goes. We're talking about the cause of debt. Discontentment, envy. And for the letter B in the word debt, I'm using the word bounty. For far too many Americans today, it's all about their things. We must have our things. Houses, cars, motorcycles, clothes, club memberships, RVs, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And oh, listen, hear everything I have to say this morning. Don't tune me out. Don't turn me off. Listen, hear me clearly this morning. It's okay to have things. I'm not preaching about having things this morning. It's okay to have things. It's not okay for things to have us. It's okay to have things, but it's not okay if we have to go in debt to have them. I've said this many times, I'd rather drive an older car than have a new car driving me. I'd rather actually own my stuff and have less stuff. But I'd rather have less stuff and own my stuff than to have a lot of stuff and have my stuff own me. And listen, friend, if you're in debt for your stuff, then you're owned by your stuff. Proverbs 22 and 7 says the borrower or the person that is in debt is servant to the lender. He's what? Maybe what I'm about to share next will help you put your things, your stuff, your things in perspective. Please listen and write this down if you're writing notes and if you're not, shame on you. Do you even understand the definition for the word thing? I looked up the word thing in the dictionary and in the dictionary under the word thing it says a material object without life. Wow. A material object without life. You wonder why your stuff don't satisfy you wonder why things, you thought it would. You said 12 things back. If I just had the next thing. And you wonder, you wonder why your things don't satisfy. Oh, thinking that the next thing will satisfy. But I ask you this morning, how can it? How can it? How can an object without life satisfy or make us happy? Talk about the cause of debt right now. Most people are in debt today because they have far too much stuff. Again, it's okay to have a lot of stuff if it's paid for. It's okay to have a lot of stuff if this stuff is not causing you undue stress trying to pay for it. Let me give you one more cause for debt this morning then we'll talk about the cure. For the T in our acrostic of the word debt, another cause of debt is, I'm using the word trend. Trend. You see, debt is a trend. Did you know that 
My grandma and grandpa knew nothing about debt. They didn't have credit cards. Did you know? Some of the younger ones in the second service, they thought credit cards was all... No. Just the last 40, 50 years, and especially the last 40, 30, 20 years or so. Debt is a trend. That is just a way of life for most Americans today. Almost everybody is in debt today. It's just a common thing. It's just a common acceptable trend. Debt-free living that I practice and preach is so foreign Why do you preach about it so much? Because nobody else hardly is. Because the trend today is debt. And the only place you're going to hear about it is in your church. The average American today owes on two cars. They owe on their house. They owe on their furniture. They owe on their recreational stuff. They owe on their gadgets. Oh, they owe three on three to five different credit cards, anywhere from ten to twenty-five thousand dollars. Oh, I owe, I owe. So off to work I go. So what is the cause of death? It's the trend. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's trying to keep up with the Joneses. But listen, friend, if the Joneses are in debt up into their eyeballs, why in the world would you want to be like them? Romans 12, verse 2 and 3 in the Message Bible. I love this in the Message Bible. Romans 12, verse 2 and 3 in the Message Bible. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Let me borrow a phrase from Dr. Phil. I wouldn't borrow some of his words. Let me borrow a phrase from Dr. Phil. For those of you who are in debt and continue to ignore my constant teaching and preaching on this subject, how's this working for you? All right, we've talked a little bit about the causes of debt. Now let's talk a little bit about the cure. Now just as I made an acrostic of the word debt to describe the causes of cure, so I also want to make another acrostic with the word debt to determine the cure. So for the letter D in the word debt, as a cure for debt, I'm using the word dream. Dream. Let me encourage you this morning. Let me, let me encourage you to dream just a little bit today. I, I want you to dream this morning or dream about life without debt. Huh. 
What would your life be like without dead? Where could you go? What could you do? What could you give? Let me, let me suggest five areas in your life that could be drastically improved if you were debt free. Five areas in your life that would drastically improve if only you were debt free. The first one is relationships. Do you remember that best friend that you used to have before you messed up the relationship by either borrowing money from them or lending money to them? And if most of your fights with your spouse, if they're about financial issues, just think, just think how good your marriage would be if you took this stress out of the equation by being debt free. And can you go down memory lane? Can you remember how great your marriage was before you complicated it with debt for all of your stuff? I'm going to believe your relationships could be improved. If you're debt free. How about resources? Just think of all the money that you would free up and make available if most of your money wasn't spent before you ever got it on debt payments. Just a thought. How about recreation? Oh, you desperately need a vacation, but but debt prohibits you. Oh, just think about all the fun that you could have on the beach or how much fun you could have on top of the mountain or how much fun all that you could have on a cruise. Oh, oh, think of all the memories. Think of all of the memories that you could be making with your children today as you left the hustle and bustle of regular life and went to Disneyland or Disney World or you went up to the mountains or you went wherever that you might go and you had time spent with your children and time spent with your family. Think of the memories of that will last forever but you can't make memories because you're too busy paying debt here's one how about reputation Proverbs 22 and 1 says that a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches Think about how good it would feel to regain your integrity. Think how good it would feel to be able to lay your head on the pillow at night without a worry in the world, without worrying about who, what debt collector's coming next. But to lay there with the assurance that all bills are paid, the debt is gone. Wow. Well, how about Retirement. Well, for some of you, if you keep going in the direction you're headed, you will never be able to retire. You'll have to work till you die, and you're going to die broke. Now, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad today. I'm trying to help somebody today. Hey, if I can make you feel bad for a little bit, to help you change your life so you can feel better about the rest of your life. I'll take that on. I don't have a problem with that. 
Dream a little bit this morning. Dream. Oh, what could my life be like? Oh, if I were dead free, what would my life be like if I didn't know anybody? Dream a little bit this morning and then wake up and turn the dream into reality. Let's look at another one. The E in the word debt, the cure for debt. I'm using the word examine. You know, most people don't even have a clue where their money is going. So let me challenge you today to sit down and take a look at where you are financially. How much is your house payment? If it's more than 25% of your regular take-home pay, if it's more than 25% of your regular take-home pay, then you are living in a house you cannot afford. So you need to have a garage sale. You've heard me say it before. I don't mean put a bunch of junk in the garage and sell it. I mean sell the garage and the house that's attached to it. You see, a house does not a home make. I've lived in the basement of the church, and I've lived on Snob Hill, and I've been happy in both places. I I prefer Snob Hill. But I'm telling you, a house does not a home make. Perhaps the reason why you don't really have a home is because you have too much house. I'll let you chew on that one a little bit. How much is your car payment? Why do you have a car payment? Buy a car you can afford to pay cash for. Well, Pastor, that would be a jalopy. Then buy a jalopy. And drive it till you save up some more money and buy a less jalopy. Work your way up. How much do you own credit cards? What's the interest rate on these cards? What you need, you need to have a plastectomy. Cut up the credit cards. Where are you buying your clothes? I'm wearing a $90 shirt this morning. Woo, boy, pastor is really extravagant. No, I paid $18 for it. But it's a $90 shirt. Where are you buying your clothes? Let me ask you this this morning. Why are you buying clothes at all? If you're in debt and your closet's already full... Where are you eating? Why are you eating out when you're in debt? If you're in debt, you shouldn't see the inside of a restaurant unless you're working there. (laughs) David Jackson, you better be ready to make a whole lot of CDs today because boy, I just... I imagine there'll be a lot of CDs sold today. Not. It won't be one. What's the cure for debt? 
You'll never get out of debt unless you sit down, take a close examination of your finances. And let me tell you, friend, it's not always the big ticket items that get you. The Bible says that it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. You see, for some of you, your mission statement ought to be going broke one Starbucks latte at a time. (laughs) Or going broke one shopping spree at a time. Or maybe it's going broke one hobby at a time. Some of you don't even have a clue where your money is going. The only way you'll ever get out of debt is if you start telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Start telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. All right, for the B in the the word debt, I'm using the word behavior. Behavior. The only way you'll ever get out of debt is to change your behavior with money. You see, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Here's a suggestion. If only one of the spouses is involved in handling the family's finances and those finances are in a mess, maybe it's time to let the other spouse handle the finances. Hey, if this doesn't work, you can always go back to what wasn't working before. Now, I understand that ideally both spouses should be involved, but if they are not, discover who is best at it. Just because one has been doing it for a long time doesn't necessarily mean they're the best one to do it. We understand that opposites attract And because opposites attract, usually a couple is made up of a saver and a spender. A saver and a spender. Let me help you out here this morning. The spender, the spender should not be in total control of the purse string. If the spender is in total control of the budget, you will have nothing. Because they will always find something to spend the money on. Amen? Don't you wish the people that really needed this were here this morning? All right, let's look at the last letter of our acrostic of the word debt as we dig our way out of the hole that we're in. For the letter T, I'm using the word, and I'm actually using a phrase, tailor, tailor a plan. If you're going to get out of debt, you're going to have to tailor a plan. You'll never get out of debt without a plan. Proverbs 21 and 5 says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Do you want to prosper? Do you want to have more than you have? Oh, then the wisdom writer said, you need a good plan and you need to work that plan diligently. If you've got a good plan and you work that plan diligently, you'll come out. A-okay. In about five minutes this morning, just in about five minutes time, I'm going to give you a a quick five-step plan to get out of debt. Very, very quickly, just hit and run. We're done this morning. The five-step plan for getting out of debt. First step, number one, ask for help. Hey, if you could do it by yourself, you wouldn't be in the mess you're in. So stop trying to be John Wayne. 
Stop trying to be self-sufficient. Ask for help. There's all kinds of help out there. I mean, there's never been a day when there's more help than there is today. There's, there's all kinds of books. There's all kinds of CDs. There's DVDs. Uh, we have classes here. Just a, uh, Last year, I taught a financial class for eight weeks and, and taught a lot of this stuff. I'm talking this morning to those that were in that class. All kinds of help out there. Dave Ramsey's The Total Money Makeover is one of the best that's out there today. So if you're going to get out of debt, the first thing you're going to have to do, you're going to have to ask for help. You're not going to get it all done by yourself. If you're going to get it done by yourself, you'd have already done it. It's not going to happen, so ask for help. Second thing you're going to have to do, you're going to have to abandon all luxuries. If you're going to get out of debt, you're going to have to abandon all luxuries. Get intense about getting out of debt. Make it a priority. Cut your budget down to bare bones. I mean, sell everything. Sell so much stuff that the kids think they're next. <laughs> now, hear me. Not forever. It's the reason why some of you have already tuned me out. Didn't listen the last time I preached this or the time of. I'm not talking about forever. Talking about getting out of debt. Live like a pauper. Live, if you're in debt, live like a pauper. Live with, I mean, just cut that budget down to the bare bones. Live like you don't have any money. Live like a pauper until you get debt free. And then when you get debt free, you can live like a king. I think you're doing pretty good. I like your preaching. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Third thing you need to do is apply for a second job. If you're in debt, apply for a second job. Deliver pizzas two or three times a week. Mow lawns. Babysit. I don't know. Get creative. You've got talent. You have ability. You got stuff you do for free that you can make money on. Get creative. Do whatever you can to make more money. And then you take that more money and you apply all of it. Say all of it. Oh, I got this more. I'm making more money. I can get more stuff. No. You don't want to work two jobs forever. But it's okay to work two jobs to help you get out of debt. Amen? Whatever you make with that second or third job, apply all of that extra money to your debt. And then, and then uh, number four, attack your debt. Attack your debt. I mean like a vengeance, man. And there are many ways to do it, but I like, I like this method. <clears throat> that is, list all of your debt from smallest to the largest. And whatever that smallest debt is, then you attack that debt. It may just be, it may just be $172. So you do whatever you can to get $172. And you put it on that debt and you got that debt paid for. Man, there's just something that when you can check something off, I paid that off. Wow. That's been hanging around for a while. I got that. So now what do you do? I go out and get me some more debt, right? No. No. Then you take whatever you're paying on that debt plus what you were paying on that next largest debt, put those two together and put it on the second debt. 
and put as much money as you can on that second one. And when you get that paid for, then you take what you have left over from the first and the second that's not there, and you put it on the third and the fourth and the fifth. And Dave Ramsey calls it the debt snowball. It makes a lot of sense, and it works. It works. And then number five, abstain from future debt. Once you get out of debt, stay out of debt. Don't buy anything until you have all the money you need to pay cash. I don't think Christians ought to use four-letter words, but this is a good one. Cash. Make this decision. Draw the line in the sand. Make this decision. Make it a declaration. Nothing, 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 nothing is more important to me than being and staying debt-free. Nothing. Nothing is more important to me. Nothing. There's nothing. Say this to yourself. There is nothing I want bad enough to go into debt for. Doesn't mean you don't want it, and it doesn't mean you'll never get it. It just means you're not going to hawk the rest of your life for it. Tell yourself, I will wait until I can save up the money to pay cash for it. Wow. The title of my sermon today is Till Debt Do Us Part. Marriage is supposed to be till death do us part. But often for far too many couples today, the marriage only lasts until debt do us part. Number one cause of divorce today is financial problems. And if that be the case, then we could put a stop to most divorces by getting people debt free. So let me challenge you this morning. Stop the insanity. Let me encourage you and challenge you today. Get your head out of the sand and take responsibility for where you are financially and make the necessary sacrifices that you need to make now in order to get yourself debt free and out from under the bondage that you have been living in. I promise you, it'll be tough. It'll be tough. Because you're used to giving yourself anything and everything you want. Because whether you can afford it or not, the plastic says you can. And it's going to be tough to drive by Chick-fil-A on your way home from work and you're tired and weary and go home and make yourself a bologna sandwich. That's hard. It's going to be tough to tell your kids no about the latest and the greatest. Not doing them any harm, just teaching them that we don't have to have everything. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. That's why most people don't do it. That's why most people don't even get past listening to the sermon. And that's why I can preach on it a couple times a year, knowing I've got an audience that needs to hear it. It's going to be tough for a while, but oh, it'll be well worth the effort. Hey, you just might save your marriage in the process. Let me just, Braden, would you come and whoever else you want with you this morning. Let me just take a moment this morning as I finish to talk to the younger ones that are here today. 
Most of them attend the second service, but we have younger ones here this morning in this service. Let me just take a, just, just take a moment. Teasing Allison this morning because she had her birthday yesterday, Allison McDaniel. I would tell you how old she is, but you'd call me a liar. Because she's so much younger than her age. Someone asked her if she was 29. She said, yeah, I finally made 29. We talked about it, laughed a little bit about it. She said, I wish I knew when I was 29 what I know today. See, this is why I keep preaching this kind of stuff. See, I'm not Allison's age, but I am 57 and I have lived a long time. And I do know a few things. Most of the stuff I learned by making mistakes. Don't get to 57 or whatever age we could put on it and look back and say, well, I wish I knew then what I know. Listen, let me tell you, you can be 19 today. You can be 19 today and know what somebody 57 years old knows. Because I'm telling you, You know why we didn't know at 29, Allison? I'm not picking on you. You know I love you, sweetheart. But you know why you didn't know at 29? Because part of it, we we didn't listen, did we? You knew it all. She said, I knew it all. If you're a young person here today, I'm going to tell you something. I'm giving you the opportunity. You can be 15 this morning. I'm giving you the opportunity. To know what you might otherwise not know till you get 55, 60 years old. But you can know it today because this guy 57 is telling you what he knows. And one of the greatest things that I want to do at the end of my life is tell some younger people some things that I know. Because if they can know it at that age, if I knew what I know about finances now when I was... 17 getting married, man, I would be a multi-millionaire. Not because I've made a lot of money, but because I know about compounding and I know about living on less than you make and I know about taking the difference and investing it. I've always lived on less than I made, but I wasn't always smart about investing it and doing good things with what was left over. If you're a young person, listen to me this morning, please. I'm done. Just give me just about two minutes. Don't go into debt. Don't go in to debt. Not for a car. Not for a phone. Don't go into debt. Pay cash for everything. And if you can't pay cash for it, don't buy it. Shave up the money till you have it. buy it used don't get in the mess some of your moms and your dads and your grandmas and grandpas have got into talk about restoration you won't need restoration if you'll listen and apply the principles that we teach and preach and share challenge you young people today. Father, 
Would you stand with me, everyone in this room this morning? Father, I just thank you today for for your word today. Father, I thank you, Lord, that your word is a it's a roadmap that gets us to heaven. God, I thank you for the for the word that teaches us how to get saved.